Hey guys, this is Juan with another episode of Full Send. And on today's episode, I got Shane out of Canada and Nick out of Wisconsin. And they're both trailer dealers. So they're going to talk about some of the issues they've been having here lately this year, some of their ups and downs. So uh, stay tuned for the special episode. Let's get straight to the point. This is what you do and what you don't do. No bullshit, sugarcoat when it comes to repairs and maintenance. If I you can go to So tell me, uh, if y'all don't mind, just share some about each, uh, each of y'all. Uh, Shane, if you want to start, how long you've sure. been in the business and then uh, what you do and all that. So, Yes, sir. Do you want me to start or do you want Nick to start there? Uh, if you want to start, that's fine. Um, sure. Yeah. My name is Shane Thompson. I'm the president of Action Trailers, and I've been in this business now 19 years. Uh, so started from nothing just a couple of trailers on the the lot and um we end up actually just buying them off other distributors there's no manufacturers back at the time wanted to really deal with us just because we're new uh, newcomers in the game so we'd buy off of uh another big competitor of ours a couple hours away we'd you know bring them back here and resell them um and then as we kind of grew uh grew and grew we obviously started dealing direct with manufacturers uh, and then started from there, uh, distributing trailers to other dealers as well. So we kind of, uh, would figure out our own models, uh, of series of models that we would design and, uh, co-build with manufacturers. And then we would wholesale those to other dealers and then mainly deal directly with uh, the public. But, uh, we do both the wholesaling and, uh, and obviously the public. And then we've kind of, uh, had a vast range of, of different products over the years that we carry in just first it was enclosed and we got into uh, utilities and dumb trailers and custom trailers concessions and then we're also selling travel trailers which we've been selling now for five years uh, so we do sell a, a array of different trailers uh, here and uh, service them and lease them and do everything you kind of think of and we've kind of built ourselves up to be one of the biggest uh, trailer companies for volume wise in, in Canada there for that so we uh, have just over, well, it ranges between 30 and 40 employees, depending on obviously the season uh, that we have at this one location. And uh, we sell them all across North America. So Nice. So you just got that one location there that you work out of? Or? Just one location where we sell thousands and thousands of trailers a year out of, out of this one location. So. That's pretty awesome. Thank you. Nick? Yeah, uh, Nick Mercer, uh, my wife and I are the owners. Uh, this is our 23rd year. Um, we manufacture and we retail, so we got uh, both sides of the road. One side is uh, wholesale where we manufacture, and the other side is the retail. Uh, we started in the used car uh, business when cash for clunkers hit. Uh, it wiped out our whole inventory, and we were slowly selling trailers, and then we started building we uh, average between 40 to 50 employees. On the retail end, we stock about six to 800 uh, trailers um, in our yard at all times. Uh, we mostly build aluminum in-house now. Our steel market got so big that we uh, couldn't employ enough and have enough uh, real estate. Uh, but we, uh, like Shane, we sell a couple thousand uh, trailers a year out of one store. 
Um, we got 15 acre yard, um, three different uh, shops between setup, uh, delivery, uh, production, and full uh, repair. Awesome. And you said you build you you build aluminum trailers in house. Yep. We we build all our own aluminum. Uh, Utility up to 14k, and then some steel specialty stuff for the gas mile business. Okay, pretty cool. So y'all both been in it for for a couple years or several years now. Um, and we'll get to the you know current situation. But before COVID hit, what is what was y'all's main issues before COVID hit in the industry in the trailer industry? If you can remember back far then. A lot's happened since then to now. It's hard to remember that far back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, the same issues everyone goes through is that the manufacturers are getting products, obviously over-promising them and delivering, whether it be the manufacturer's end or your sales reps end. So that's always uh, the issue that I'm sure, well, I know that Nick and I have always dealt with uh, over the past uh, decade, decades, um, quality control. So, uh, unfortunately, all those things kind of just all compiled together to make an even bigger mountain uh, once COVID hit. So, we always, those issues always happen, but obviously having the, you know, timeframes went completely out the window, uh, obviously, once COVID hit, uh, as far as uh, getting material and getting product in, um, uh, unfortunately, pricing structure. It was, it was obviously, you didn't know price. You'd order a trailer, and once the trailer arrived, then you'd have the invoice, uh, uh, obviously, sent to you, and the price would be up 40, 50, 60% from the original price, base price you ordered. And then you'd have to convey that to the customer. And uh, unfortunately, the, a lot of reputation um, was, was lost, obviously, between manufacturing side and our, our dealer side, especially the dealer side, with, uh, with, with that being said. So that has been. Uh, one of the biggest challenges for me is, is swallowing is just that reputation of, uh, of losing that, even though it's been completely out of our control of having to get uh, prices, you know, just pushed down your throat or whatever they decided there because they would no longer honor any of the purchase orders that we had uh, originally had in place. So. Yeah. Nick, what about you? So before COVID, um, you know, in the 23 years, when I first started this, all the cargo enclosed was pretty much Amish built out of Altar. Um, and that throughout the time changed to the Hispanic and, uh, we had a lot, a lot of quality issues, um, before COVID. And then when COVID hit, basically they were taking anybody from the Culver's drive through the next day, building a cargo trailer. So we got a lot of hours of repairing trailers before we could, uh, even sell them to the public. Yeah. So. I know that one of the things both y'all hit was quality control. Um, and that's big because at the end of the day, when a customer, if it fails on a customer, the customer doesn't see the manufacturer with the issue. They see the dealer, you know, the dealer sold me a, a bad trailer. Um, so I can see where that'd be a pain and especially having to repair it and try to get your money back. If anything from the manufacturer, just to compensate your money, your time and money lost in it. Um, I know you both y'all touched on the pricing. Um, let's see. I must emailed y'all. Yeah, the pricing since COVID hit, it was anywhere from forty to ninety percent surcharge. I mean, it was just wild. And 
a lot of it has not come down back down to where it should be. Um, from the time COVID hit to now present, I never went up more than 20%. Um, I don't think I had a, any other manufacturer that was probably less than 60% for surcharge through COVID. Oh, wow. It's a big, it's a big surcharge. Um, the, let's see. When y'all are, when y'all are, when the dealers or the manufacturers are discussing with y'all the pricing, are they giving y'all the information about, you know, you know, there's going to be surcharges, but are, let, are they letting y'all know what that surcharge is going to be ahead of time? Or is it just one of those surprises? Cause I have those two also when, when I'm buying parts and per, when I'm in purchasing, I'll, I'll order some parts and springs or hanger kits or U bolts. And depending on which vendor I go through, I'll get a slap on a, on the hand with the surcharge of, uh, for me, it's, it's like six, $700 extra because of it's still old inventory from when COVID was still popular or hitting. That wasn't really, most kind of wasn't justified. Obviously it's just, you, you received a letter. Uh, actually a letter was, was, a was a positive event, but most of the time, all my invoices, they just, they sent me the trailer and the, the invoice, they didn't uh, specify that there's a surcharge. They just inputted it right on the bottom line of the invoice without even, uh, without even acknowledging us uh, that there was uh, an actual surcharge in place. So that was definitely frustrating, uh, especially if you're not on the ball, if you have uh, a large staff like Nick and I, where some people are just entering trailers in and necessarily aren't looking to see, Hey, you know, what's the old price compared to the new price? Uh, Obviously, they just enter the trailers in as normal, and just expectations would uh, obviously wouldn't be any different. But then, you know, we end up catching on that some of the manufacturers would be kind of uh, hiding, the, not so much a little bit hiding the invoice, like the surcharge in the price of just a line item, and then you go and find out, you look at your profits, your P and Ls, and you're like, why did we lose a bunch of money on uh, you know all these loads of trailers or, or or dozens of trailers for that matter? And uh, then we find out and. Again, some of them would send emails to let us know here's the justification of just inflation costs or raw materials, obviously, in that way. Uh, but uh, a lot of them didn't even say anything about it. They just added to the invoice, too. So, And another tough thing uh, to add to that was uh, the order outs, the pre-sold stuff. I mean, it, it made us look like a fool to the customer. Um, you know, we, we had all these orders and when they went to build it, whatever the surcharge was that day is what they charged us. So, I mean, we had trailers that were costed us thousand dollars more than what we charged the customer for. And you know, when you're in business 20 plus years, you look like a fool after the customer waited six months to get their trailer built. And now it's their turn for their trailer get built. And you got to call them and say, Oh, by the way, it's another $2,000. Yeah. I mean, I, I literally, I ate every trailer just because I'm a handshake, bar napkin kind of guy. And, yeah. Uh, it's crazy looking back. I didn't think it would uh, go for that long. Uh, so is it? is it still, is that still the matter now in present time? Is that, is that still the case or has it softened up where they're, they are coming off of some of those surcharges that they're uh, tacking on at the end of the invoices? So they're, they're down a lot, Shane, probably anywhere from 20 to 40%, I would say, from what it was before COVID. 
some of them, but some of them also, as you know, some of our suppliers, they just increase, they change the whole price book, right? So they change the base price. And then, so that way they've increased the base and then lowered the surcharge. So at the end of the day, the number is not far off from the original of what they were charging, let's say, uh, you know, 60% or 90% surcharge on. Um, so they just kind of manipulated the, the, uh, the, the initial cost of it. So, uh, before one, what would always be the case is you always have the base price and then there'd be the surcharge, uh, yeah. tacked on to on a separate line item, uh, whatever it may be over the years, cause they wouldn't change the price books. But a lot of the manufacturers would then just change the price books, uh, to reflect obviously the new base cost. And then they could, you know, show a lower surcharge. So it looks subconscious, like consciously it looks better there for you because they're seeing a 20% surcharge compared to, uh, 60 or 80 percent but they just inflated the base uh compared to before uh, COVID. so and i mean with the higher price are you seeing the better quality or is it just still the same is it lower quality or the same quality i mean because i know usually when uh, i know for the end customer when they're paying for a higher price they expect top quality like you were saying something about the wells earlier nick um on one of the trailers you sold your neighbor you know um are you seeing better quality on, on the end product or is it just kind of uh, mixed motions on it? Like some are great, the some quality, are bad. The quality is better than what it was during COVID, but it's not near where it should be uh, for what we're paying for. Agreed. And are the yeah. manufacturers owning up to that? I mean, are they standing behind the word with, I don't know how which manufacturers I'll deal with, but I know some of them won't do when we were building trailers and we had an issue with one of our trailers that we sent to one of our dealers. Um, we just have them either. They can bring them back to our location here in town and we'll repair it. Or if they were, you know, out of state or out of town, they could take it to whatever shop and they'll, uh, we'd cover, we'd pay for the labor cost and the material to get it done. That's how we did it. So, I mean, I don't know what manufacturers are doing nowadays, but, are they helping with that um, in those instances where it is a bad quality weld? It is. You have to put in five, six hours of labor just to repair a brand new trailer. Each week it still changes. I find on my end of what we submit there, but they're definitely, um, they're owning up. They're, there's no question that some of the manufacturers are own up for it. And I obviously explain to uh, the reasoning why, you know, there's a lack of quality before because of the, the staffing and the training on that end, but um, you know, and you know, trying to always improve, which which is good. But uh, at the end of the day, it's, it comes down to uh, is is making sure that we all do something about that, and that's why we're having these conversations right now to hopefully spread out to the rest of the industry and and get more people involved on board. That uh, we need uh, we need a change. We need a massive change. There's no question on. Uh, on that end, and we, uh, you know, one individual can't do it, but uh, obviously all of us put together can, can hopefully reflect and come together and, and hopefully improve what is going on uh, right now. So, I would say historically, the it's the enclosed cargo that comes out of healthcare is what we've had the most issues with, and uh, I always say it's sickening because when we trip. All they think about is the number they put out every day. It's not the number of how many quality trailers they put out every day. And uh, it, it, it just, uh, it's so far from where it should be for quality at this point. Yeah. And you said that's the enclosed trailers or? 
Yeah, the cargo trailers are the worst of what I've seen throughout uh, history. I've seen, far, I've seen a lot, like y'all mentioned earlier, before it used to come out of the northern area, and I've seen a lot come out of Georgia lately for the enclosed trailers. Yeah, the Georgia market really came on strong in the last uh, decade compared to 20 plus years ago. And what are the customers' reactions when they're having, when you're calling them and you're telling them, you know, hey, there's an additional $2,000 or $1,000? I absorbed it. I know Shane did different. We absorbed it initially as much as we could. We, at the time um, this all happened, we had uh, over, it was 2,300 trailers that were on order that were sold that we had deposits for just at that time. Um, so, um, initially when trailers in each manufacturer would be different as far as the surcharge and the approach, the manufacturers would initially, they would honor the actual purchase order that we had sent over. Uh, and then towards the end, well, not towards the, after six months in, maybe I would say every single one of them would, uh, would obviously just, the cost wouldn't be decided until the trailer arrived, uh, at that point. So we, Initially absorbed it, and then we put in disclaimers on our invoices uh, to let customers know that, hey, listen, here's your option is that you purchase the trailer and this deposit. The deposit is refundable based on if you don't agree on the purchase price when it arrives. Because we just let them know that we have no idea of what the final purchase price is going to be, obviously due to the economic state. So um, we were transparent with them, which helped. Um, but for initially, there was... There's a few hundred trailers that we still had to, we couldn't, we simply couldn't absorb. Otherwise we would be looking at, uh, um, you know, it'd be catastrophic for our, our company with, uh, with, with that. Uh, so we just let them know, Hey, here's your option. You have here's what our cost is on the trailer. Here's what basically we just showed them what, uh, the percentage went up. So we were fully transparent and, uh, and if they wanted to proceed with it, it only pays the difference of just our actual only cost of the trailer. So we, uh, we wouldn't be making any revenue onto it. Um, and, or if they don't want to go forego the trailer, then we would obviously give the, re- the deposit back, even though that all of our deposits are always non-refundable. We've always, uh, we put that, uh, obviously refund in, in place just because, uh, we didn't want to feel like we held the customer's hostage. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, I know another thing we talked about in our emails was old inventory. Um, you know, y'all have, y'all are saying y'all are moving, you know, about a thousand plus a year, if not more. But um, kind of like even with me here with parts, I have to stock up in order to be able to service a customer. But when you do that, you get stuck with a higher cost uh, inventory than it would be if I could. For me, if I can order a spring for, I have a spring from one vendor that had it because he had it and it was $14, but now it's cost me $10 to get it. I still have, let's just say 400 of these springs that cost me at $14. So uh, I have higher inventory. I can only imagine how it would be with the trailer industry because you have to have something on the ground in order to service some of the customers for walk-ins, I would assume. Yeah, I know I'm stuck with a whole bunch of uh, open goosenecks. I, you know, the 
the hot shotter market just took off when COVID hit. Everybody was going to be a hot shotter and be a truck driver. Um, I got rolls of 40 foot goosenecks. Well, the price probably dropped five to 8,000 now. And uh, I, I feel the manufacturers are going to have to try to help do something to absorb that. I mean, it, that, it's going to take months to try to work out of that stuff. Hmm. Yeah, I parts uh, and trailers. Uh, parts is not too too bad for us. I would say I think the volume that we do, uh, so we don't have an excess of, of overpriced parts. But uh, trailers, we've been just trying to. You have to take losses. That's what we've done, unfortunately. So we've asked manufacturers to assist. Uh, unfortunately. Uh, Almost all of them are reluctant to do anything right now because no one has uh, no one has stepped up and started really doing that at this point. That we have to rebates. Um, I'm working with one of the manufacturers that is trying to help because they, they want obviously right now that the industry being down in sales, they're, they're trying to uh, do what they can, and uh, that's, that's the answer. So obviously, they need to help out their their dealers with overpriced stock to be able to bring in more inventory, obviously, in the first place. So, uh, but it's just it's taking on the chin right now, is what uh, I think Nick and I have been doing and we're going to have to do just like everybody else obviously unless we get some support so and this is this is a nationwide right this is across this isn't those for for those listening this isn't just for nick and shane here at their their shops it's it's something that's going on nationwide where a lot of these dealers are getting stuck with higher inventory um that they've either pre-ordered or um customers have canceled and now they're stuck with um and you, you said something about a rebate, Shane. Um, is that something a lot of the manufacturers are, are trying to swing to, or is that something you're trying to work with yeah, some yeah. of them and try to create? I'm trying, I'm trying to spark something up with them right now. Um, obviously, they, no, no one wants to, you know, they've all got used to making these profit margins, uh, what they've been making the last few years right now in trailers. Um, and I know that, um, you know, there, there's two sides to every, you know, uh, going there, obviously, and, and stories that they say there with that. Nick and I, especially Nick, being a manufacturer, knows uh, even better than than myself of obviously the the raw material cost of how much it's dropped. I order a ton of material right now, uh, just like skids the tires, parts, that sort of thing. So I, I do get uh, very competitive pricing on that. I've noticed a, a huge drop. So I know that the manufacturers are, are obviously making a little bit higher profit margins right now. So that's why I've approached them and said, "Hey, listen." You know, what can you do to help me move this gated inventory? So I've sent, uh, I've sent over, um, just basically our, our spreadsheet through our DMS software of where, um, where our agent inventory is. So anything past a certain date, I've sent to them and said, hey, what can you do to help? And, uh, unfortunately, most of them are, 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 have been saying it is what it is, but a few of them have, have said, no, they'll come back and then we're, we're working together right now at this moment, right now on, on trying to figure out, uh, some of the agent inventory to, help get rid of and obviously uh, in lieu of you know of giving us uh you know a discount it's like a rebate system so that's why i've kind of pro- you know proposed in the same like well either take x amount of dollars off the trailer here uh and uh you either we can send you an invoice you get a rebate once it sells and then we have to reorder that same trailer in or have an offer where you get you know a certain price point off your next load of trailers when you order there too so that's another option that they are um, obviously wanting to take a little bit more, but for books, keeping the books clean and stuff, I'm kind of proposing more. So just we'll invoice you, uh, 
uh, kind of a, a rebate, obviously, fee uh, of, of having to sell this one, you know, old inventory to be able to push and get some new stuff back on our lot there. So that's what uh, I've been working on. And uh, and I know that uh, we kind of collaboratively uh, collaborate together with, with everybody. And if we can kind of figure out something, uh, uh, we can hopefully get uh, everyone on the kind of same playing field. I know every manufacturer is going to be different, but at the same time, too, it's, it's something that we're going to need help with. Uh, we need help. Not we're going. We, we need help with it right now because uh, I'm trailer sitting on my lot for over 400 days right now. So it's like, oh wow, for me, I, I, I would never with the volume that we move uh, our turn rate. Uh, you know, it's within 50 days at most. Ever my, my my turn rate always is within that. So it's uh, to have 400 days right now. It's like, and I, it's not just one or two. I have you know maybe 20, 30 units and sitting at that uh, kind of uh, that standpoint. So. Yeah, that's that's not a that's a lot. That, that's, yeah. that's a lot of days and yeah. a lot of, especially if your average is about fifty day turnaround time and you're sitting here, sitting on a handful or more than a handful, sitting at four hundred days. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's certainly concerning, and that's why we throw on what we can do to our own clearance prices. But you only can you know discount it so much under cost or at cost at that point. So that's why we. Uh, I'm just, uh, I've been trying to make my own private deals, obviously, in that case, like everybody uh, and, you know, what, what they do with the manufacturers to, to try to help out. And, um, and some of them have worked and some of them haven't, but uh, I, I'm, I'm starting to dwindle down off that list right now. There's no question, but there's still uh, there's still a good amount right now that we still need to clear up before we can bring in new stock for, uh, especially the new models at a, at a lower price point too, so. I always try to flip my inventory at least minimum of four times a year. And uh, I have a lot like Shane that are probably 360, 400 days plus. And it's tough. You start getting $20,000 plus units that uh, sit that long. They start getting lot rot. And, you know, if the price drops anymore, it's like, how are we going to work out of it? And we're just going to die with this stuff. Yeah. Especially with some of the... Some of the wood that was coming out back then in, uh, in the last couple of years, uh, the rate that it was dry rotting or just drying up and just having to redeck them just to try to make something out of it. But um, what would what is what would be a neat thing for the dealers besides the rebate thing? Or not the dealers, but the manufacturers that that they could do if they're listening. Um, that would help them out. Like at the same time, both of them, both sides have to make money. So I mean, what would be one thing if it wasn't the rebates? If they're saying no to the rebates, I mean, just helping y'all push that product out. So if, I mean, do they do anything about like cross? I know with some of the ATW things with big techs, you know, they can uh, transfer um, trailers from one location to another kind of like what they do with vehicles. So if you go to one dealership, they don't have it. They'll call another dealer and they'll trade, they'll flop inventory just to make the sales. Do y'all see any of that or? I think the industry's in a standoff is my opinion. Um, they're basically slowing down production, kind of creating a shortage. We're sitting with old inventory with no help, you drive through tech, just say, just take the state of Texas. You drive through Texas, every big manufacturer is pouring concrete. They're, they're putting up 
Yeah. I'll, More I'll, structures. I'll agree to that. They've been pouring the hell out of some concrete. You drive through, you know the profits are higher than ever because 20, okay, take take the last three years out and go 20 years back. I've never witnessed that in this industry ever. So it, we're, we're just in a, we're, we're kind of in a funk. I, I don't know how else to explain it between the manufacturers and, you know, the, the dealers. They're just not willing to budget. You know, they got so comfortable with these profits um, that they're just not willing to budget and go back to the, the normal structure where we were prior to COVID. I can see that. Um, like I said we've I've been through Mount Pleasant here in Tech in here in Madisonville and Huntsville and a couple of other areas where some of these bigger manufacturers are. And I will say that a lot of them are expanding, um, adding more bays up to 30, 40 bays to their production line. So, yeah, uh, no, it's it's crazy. It's it's crazy what's going on, and you, you try to sit back and think of think about it and think it through. But at some point, one ends. They gotta, you know, it's gotta give. I agree. Uh, Nick, you had some good points that I know you brought up before about buying down interest uh, rates and stuff like that. Uh, it's helping. I know one was asking kind of in that context there of what manufacturers can also help and, and do uh, rather than a rebate in that sense. So. And I think that's huge. We, you know, we still have foot traffic in the showroom, but you tell them nine to 11% and they're like, Oh, maybe we don't need that right now. But I mean, the automotive, the ATV, UTV, the, the, the snowmobile industry for years, they've always uh, came in and bought the rate down when times got like this. And I think it would be huge because that's what, that's what people, People are counting pennies right now. You know, two years ago, they, they, they cared less if it was 11%. If you could have the paperwork done and get it hooked on, and they were gone. Well, now, now they're, you know, they're really thinking it through. A little different world. So, what I that's, have that's The give and take, right? Everyone's going to make money at the end of the day, right? As we, we said, it's, it's a standoff right now, but coming together with a collaborating and figuring out an agreement because right now we know that there's record high profits in the manufacturing end since pricing hasn't really changed much. Second end, obviously, is that we have overpriced inventory from previous, obviously, prior to COVID that we have a tough time selling with interest rates at all-time high. So coming up with like a, an agreement of like whether you offer a couple different options, like a rebate program where a manufacturer, if you sell, they you know, sell a certain trailer on their lot, you get a rebate of reordering that trailer or a similar trailer in. Uh, so they're still making profits because there's a record high profit, but they're helping us out to be able to discount this trailer to move it or offering an alternative option of, uh, again, uh, buying down the interest rates uh, to be able to advertise this trailer to get it off our lot uh, and then in turn allows us to bring in more inventory there for it. So. I know I've seen some of these places, uh, smaller dealerships, uh, trailer dealers that have that uh, rent to own. And they have that low to that, I would say, medium to low deposit with weekly payments or monthly payments. And some of the, uh, I had one dealer out of, um, where is he at? He was out of South Texas. He said that was helping him move a lot of his inventory. That he said, um, because they weren't doing credit checks, he said, and then the customer would end up getting it repoed 
and then bring it back to them to resell it at a lower cost from the finance company. It, it, it all comes down to being ethical. I mean, you, you have a lot of that in the automotive industry, yeah. 18, 20% interest. Everybody needs a car to function. Everybody doesn't need a trailer. So yeah, it's uh, if you want your showroom continuously to be like the Jerry Springer show, just to move inventory would be one thing, but uh, that, you know, that, it, it wouldn't be for me, I guess, for the way I run my business. Yeah. To, to, I agree. That, that's a great uh, use there. Using it, bring up Mr. Springer there with. <laughs> yeah, no, there's uh, we, we we deal with enough chaos uh, as it is there, one especially with the volume uh, between Nick and I do there, and that's uh, the one thing that uh, we both have always had the same understanding. It's like you know what, uh, you do what's right, and and that's the one thing that there's. There's, there's people in the industry that um, that will take advantage. There's no question, um, whether it be dealers or owner manufacturers, and uh, and obviously, you know, profits. Yes, it's not a dirty word, but at the same time, too, uh, it comes down to a point where are you, you know, is it ethical? Is it going to be the point where you're just trying to gouge somebody? Whereas, and you're not looking at tomorrow, you're just looking at today's numbers in your pocketbook there today. And that's where, uh, again, why, you know, both of us have been in this industry for now basically 20 years plus there in that sense. And we, we sell the volume that we do is because we don't, we don't get rich off one trailer sale. That's not the way our, our, our philosophy works in business. We just do volume and that's how we do it. And especially we look at the part sales and the accessories that come with that too. And that's uh, kind of the whole package and the service there. So. Yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah, I was about to say the same thing. I mean, y'all been in business. Yeah. I mean, both y'all almost over 20 years, um, y'all are doing something right. So kudos to that because y'all are keeping, keeping it going. Um, but yeah, I mean, what, what is, let's see. So we talked about the, so pricing, uh, we talked about pricing, we talked about the quality. Um, what else y'all want to talk about? I mean, what, what do y'all want the dealers to hear from or the manufacturers to hear that are that's either hurting or um that they're doing good by the dealers you want to start this one nick or do you want me to uh this one's all you (laughs) great well um I think I've said it a couple times already is that collaboration and we've all agreed upon that. Um, coming up with a, a plan of rebates is, is definitely going to be uh, necessary, whether that be buying out an interest uh, or just a physical rebate when you buy the next trailer purchase or a rebate check for selling old inventory. Um, you got to create some sort of stimulation. Uh, that's what it's, it's, it's getting stagnant. The industry is getting stagnant. Nick and I know both right now with our sales numbers and just being on part of the board of the NACDA, NACDA talking with other dealers and, uh, and, and just in general, I'm talking to my leasing companies and the power sports, everything's gone down. And it's 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 not rocket science when you look at inflation, how the launch has gone up, interest rates gone up there for it. Uh, so that's, and then on top of that, the media is scaring the living shit out of everybody right now with recession and all that kind of talk. And 
everyone has their own opinion of what we, you know, we're going through right now, but we need some sort of stimulation at the end of the day. And that's what uh, obviously manufacturers and dealers need to come together to create that. Um, is there going to be some sort of package that is generic across the board? Of course not, because there's different margins and different manufacturers and that sort of thing. But it's something that uh, I think we all should talk about, uh, whether we bring it up in the next um you know, meetings like this, as far as webinars, whether uh, especially NACDA, when you're dealing with the manufacturer face to face, but it needs to be discussed. It needs to be brought to attention that it, it, there, there's something that needs to happen. Otherwise, we're just going to dig all of ourselves into a deeper hole. And um, the dealers need the manufacturers to build the product, but the manufacturers need the dealers to sell the product. And if we're not selling the product, they're not building it. Obviously, that's why there's lots of layoffs happening and stuff like that too. That I've already started hearing off of certain manufacturing plants and especially the RV industry, because I'm in that right now, and that is down you know, a couple hundred percent from, from last year as far as sales go for it. So it's like we're, we're not nearly as bad, you know, a necessary commodity for, for obviously businesses to operate up certain cargoes and landscapes and stuff like that compared to recreational. But um, either way, uh, it, it still seems, comes into creating that stimulation and, and creating some sort of program and package that works for, for both parties stuff. Nick, you want to add on? Yeah, um, I was been talking with different axle manufacturers, and like Shane said, the the RV industry is really upside down. They're talking uh, two, three, four month maybe shutdowns um, in some of these factories. Um, I honestly think the next two to three quarters are going to be the roughest yet to come. Um, if you look at if I look at the my pie, pie charts every month, it just keeps dropping, dropping, dropping. Um, what we build for is pretty much uh, recreational, and uh, I mean, I I got huge some of the biggest motorsports uh, dealers in the state. They got stacks of uh, trailers out in their fields that I dropped off two Aprils ago. I mean, uh, their salesmen are out looking for jobs. There's just nothing moving. Uh, so I, I think the, the tougher days to come yet are uh, are still coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. I would say that here in the parts side of it, of the parts side of the trailer industry, um, the first half of the year so far has been pretty good for the parts side, which just means that nobody's really buying any trailers, as y'all said. Is um, they're more repairing their old trailers or buying a broke down trailer and repairing it versus spending the um, thousands of dollars of buying a new trailer. Um, flip side of that is last year it was the total opposite. It was it seemed more people were buying more trailers and that might be um, a long shot but because the sales for parts were so low the only other thing I could put put my mind to was that they were buying newer trailers versus fixing their old trailers. Um, but no, um, that it is definitely something that, um, that dealers and manufacturers need to be is very transparent and just open with each other. Um, hopefully some of the other dealers that y'all y'all talk with are open with the manufacturers like y'all are and, and able to discuss the issues that are, are at hand and uh, try to work around them. Cause I know, like you said, we both have both dealers and manufacturers have to work together and and make sure everything rolls right. 
on your end, Juan, how have you noticed any difference in the quality of the parts you sell? Is that staying consistent? The quality of the parts has stayed consistent. Um, I will say that I have seen more vendors out of India trying to make a, a presence in the scene versus China. Um, I have seen a few. Everybody uses pretty much the same vendors out of China. Um, and I have seen some more vendors coming out of India. And many of the manufacturers were going we're leaning towards the India just because of all the tensions that was going on maybe what earlier this year end of last year uh, between uh, when it was between Russia and um, dang it mine went blank what, what's the difference on a tariff on from uh, China to about 30 percent 30 percent so it's not it's not any less than well no you'll save about 30 percent. Oh, um, you'll save 30%. Yeah, give or take. Gotcha. Um, I think a lot of the wheels and tires now switched from China to India yeah. from what I've been seeing. China, or they went to uh, India and some out of Taiwan. A lot of them, um, I've seen some coming out of Europe, but uh, not many, very few. Um, but no, the, a lot of your industry, the, the thing that gets me with going with the vendors from India is like I got a spring yesterday or no last Friday a four leaf spring for like a 3,500 pound axle it looks great but I still need to test uh, the the strength on it just to make sure it stands up to what it would normally what it should be because I've seen some springs where we put it on a machine and get it tested and it just snap in half the minute you have any kind of uh, any pressure on it so a lot of manufacturers, I would say, are looking into the India side of it to try to lower some of the cost. Um, I am too, but now you save about twenty-five to thirty percent on tariffs going to India. Uh, a little bit shorter lead times; it saves you about thirty days in shipping. So, Talk, talking about springs and quality of springs, I think since COVID hit, I sold more springs in the last three years than I did the 20 years altogether before that. That is the one part that the quality literally went out the door. Yeah. And it seemed like it didn't matter who you got them from it. Everybody was, so the other one I was having issues with was U-bolts. For some reason, when they were threading them or cutting them, the threads on them, they weren't cutting them correctly. And I was having a lot of issues with U-bolts. I had to throw, I won't say throw away, I had to send back three crates, so that's almost 900 to 1,000 U-bolts because it came out the same factory, and I had, out of one crate, I had like 150 U-bolts that I had to return or credit back to the customer. Um, one thing that, I, that did go up um, and then finally started coming down was fenders. Fenders, before COVID, fenders were pretty fairly cheap. And then COVID hit, and I would say about a hundred percent increase on price, and the difficulty to find them. And good quality fenders too, because anybody, a lot of people were making fenders, but the quality of it was not that great. So, and that's the one thing we're dealing with ourselves yet is the shortage on fenders, which I don't 
understand because I called the manufacturer. And they're like, we can't get the ATP in to make the aluminum fenders. Well, I can call and get pallets and pallets of ATP within one to three days. And, and it, it's a third of what the price was during COVID. It's, so it's like, how can you say that you can't make the fenders because you can't get ATP? It's, it, it, there's not a shortage like what it was during COVID. It's like they're trying to create their own shortage to keep the price up. Yeah, that or I know what. So there was one manufacturer I was dealing with, and it took almost a month and a half to get ramps. And um, it was just communication. I was like, and my thing is, so my biggest thing is communication. If I can't deliver to you, and I, I sell to a lot of manufacturers, and I sell to a lot of dealers, and my thing is if I can't deliver to you by a certain date, I'm going to be honest with you. And I'd rather just tell you up front, but they, um, no, they, they promised me two to three weeks on lead time. And then they went to about a month and a half. Now I have no, no, uh, no ramps. So I got getting questioned by the owner and the president of why we have our ramps on, um, call for availability and ramps were a pretty good seller for us. We were selling about 30 to 45 sets of ramps a, a month. So. So speaking of that one about uh, back to like where you're talking about like not being able to deliver on certain product. So that comes down to like, obviously your, your reputation, right. And, um, and retaining that, what have you done out of curiosity for, for basic on your company of what you guys have done to retain customers, um, that have obviously been disgruntled uh, that you can maybe help other listeners out, uh, some tactics and stuff like that. So, that's a good one because we've actually been working on this. Um, we set a guarantee or we're working on a guarantee. Um, at the beginning of the year, um, our goal is to retain about, uh, I want to say 18% of returning, 18 to 25% of returning customers. Um, and that's just in consumer, not wholesale customers. Um, but the one thing we did was set a guarantee. So basically is order by noon, uh, ships out the next day or uh, 10% back. So that is a big, to some, it's not like a big bite, but that's a big bite. We ship about 3,600 orders a month. Um, each order averages about $700. But um, what we've done and what we've implemented here, what I've implemented in operations is um, – making sure that purchasing is on top of it, making sure that as far as inventory levels, we're holding at least 30 to 45 days across the board on all the products. So that way, if we do see a shortage um, or a drop in industry, like when COVID hit and nobody had any parts for resale, we would still have it here at our location. So from the purchasing side, uh, my, my purchasing manager has it at 30 to five or 30 to 45 day inventory um, my warehousing staff, uh, he has it to where the shelves are always stocked. There's always overstocked all, everything's labeled, everything's neat. There's nothing out of place. So they can find the people who are picking the orders. They can find everything in a timely manner. And same thing with, the uh, the pick pack crew, excuse me. Um, then we give them a, they have a deadline and, where they have to push all their orders out so with fulfillment they are 
the goal is to have it out so if the order comes in a day by tomorrow it's out the door um, and even if it gets messed up with a customer we do a hassle free um, to where if we did mess up or they order the incorrect part um, if they order the incorrect part we won't charge them uh, return we'll charge them return shipping uh, to bring to ship that part back but we'll ship them the new part at no cost just pay the additional the whatever additional cost may be for the part um, so what kind of ship customers did you guys have that you would have to allot that 10 percent discount to based on that not shipping out in time uh, say that one more time what what kind of percentage of uh did you have to like out of you, you do roughly 3600 orders in a month uh, right so what would you say on a monthly percentage wise that you had to give that 10 percent discount off for the parts not arriving on the uh, promise date that you guys so right now we're about 87 percent on time so okay. i'd say about 13 percent and a lot of those um it has to do with the carrier. So it's somewhat out of our control, um, but still some of the customers feel that, you know, they need to get that. So we, we do, we'll uh, compensate in some form for the customer and, and uh, either give them a discount or um, issue them a refund. But for the most part, we're about 85 to 87% on time. Would a carrier give you guys, uh, do you guys have to set up with the carriers right now or they're guaranteeing a certain time frame? Otherwise, they provide free shipping or so how does that work? Before COVID, that was an easy request. We could get, so before COVID uh, with FedEx, you if it was overnight, two-day express shipping, if it didn't happen within those that time frame, you could get your money back. Now the only thing you can get your money back is on express shipping, which is overnight. So your standard FedEx two-day shipping is pretty much out the door um, if you're trying to get any kind of money back. I mean, your rep will work with you, and, and they'll do something. We do about, I'll say, anywhere from 1.5 to $2 million for FedEx in shipping a year. So, I mean, they'll work with us. The rep will, will move some stuff around and, and get us some, some of our money back. But... Um, no. Uh, the biggest thing I would say, if anybody was shipping and shipping parts or just anything in general that requires a carrier, is um, being open and upfront with the, with your uh, your carrier, with your with your agent or your rep, and let them know what your expectations are, um, what you're expecting, the customers are expecting, what your damages are, and um, your on-time percentage rate because. That's the big key. Um, we do, like I said, about 3,600 orders um, a month. And out of those, I would say, confidently say about 80% of them are delivered on time on with what they're, with the option that we selected. Um, so, yeah. When you, you were talking about your uh, ramp business, uh, do you get a lot of stuff made domestic or is it a lot of import? No, our ramps are made in Tennessee. We were making them in-house. We were we had, um, so in June, May or June, we stopped. We were doing repairs, and then repairs got slow. 
So I couldn't justify keeping a repair site open. Um, and then I had to let go of my two repair guys, which were also building my ramps. Because I couldn't just justify keeping two people on just to build ramps. Even though we were selling them, it would take them about a week to build them. Um, so I moved my ramp business from in-house over to um, Tennessee. And, um, yeah, no, they're built here in the States. Or, yeah, in the States. I'll have to talk to you later about that because uh, that, that's interesting. I'm always looking for a, another avenue. We build all ours in-house, and my kid hates it, so got to yeah. figure something out. Yeah, my guys weren't a fan of it. When, it. when I tell them it was time to build ramps, it was like pulling teeth. Right. It's like sleeping the floor. Yeah. Anything else, Juan, that we need to uh, take up on today's? Uh... Um, I got nothing unless y'all want to share anything. Are y'all going to be at the uh, NATDA show here next month? or? We are, yes. We actually teach some of the classes. Okay. I know Kiefer, he's going to be teaching the uh, networking class, I think. Yeah, networking class. Okay. But uh, no, I'll be there that Monday setting up. And then uh, we'll be there all week. So uh, let's grab a beer, grab a bite to eat when, we, when we're up there. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely uh, catch up with you. But, no, uh, for sure. That's, uh, um, well, to any of the listeners, if y'all are in the market for any trailers in Canada, uh, give Shannon a call. Or if you're up north, you're in Michigan, right, uh, Nick? Wisconsin. Wisconsin. So if you're in Wisconsin area, give uh, Nick a call. We'll put all their contact information down there for their stores. But um, – Thanks, guys, for joining in, and um, hopefully some comes out of this, this episode today and we get some balls moving uh, forward for um, the relationship between the manufacturers and the dealers. So, no, Thank you, I agree. Communication, ongoing communication, like you said, and everybody knows it, and just uh, keep on pushing forward and ask your ask your manufacturers, and, uh, and hopefully if, if all of us keep on pushing forward that way, that something's going to come about it, so. Yeah, no doubt. Well, appreciate yeah. it, guys, and uh, we'll see you all in Tennessee. Awesome. All right. Thank well, you, thank thanks. you, guys. Thanks. Yeah. See you.